what Keep Kids Alive is all about. It's all about preserving relationships. You know, Megan was a pretty tough little girl and I could feel her all the time just jabbing me in the back saying, keep going, dad, don't give up on this. It's a monumental task. It's so huge, you know, millions of people are not paying attention. You know, even though you, you might not be hitting 100% of people that you're talking to, but trust me, your message is doing something. And knowing that we're doing something to make the road safer makes me get up every day. Every time we drive by somebody that is distracted or on their phone, I think we have PTSD just, you know, listening or watching them be distracted. We need to make distracted driving socially unacceptable, just like drunk driving is and, and other things that, uh, you know, that just aren't acceptable in today's society. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Everson. I'm the executive director and founder of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. And I want to welcome you to our Keep Kids Alive podcast. Today, we're really privileged to have Tom and Wendy Geltzer joining us from Hudson, Wisconsin. And they'll be sharing the story of their uh, daughter, Megan. And then Mitch Bain will be sharing the story of how uh, he started a company uh, that focuses on a product called Cell Slips to help address distracted driving concerns. Tom, Wendy, Mitch, welcome. Appreciate that you can join us today and look forward to hearing your story and all that we can learn from you and your experience. But first of all, I always like to start with just connecting with how we connected. Tom and Wendy, you know Doug Troop. You know Sherry as well? Yeah, I actually got to meet Sherry down in Arizona. They they came to one of my distracted driving presentations that I did for our Brown and Brown office in Phoenix. And I, I got to meet both of them then. But I, I had known Doug before that. Uh, we had met uh, through an acquaintance at my employer. And we, we met in Omaha one time and, and then in Arizona. You're both in risk management? Correct. You work for an employer and I work for a broker. and. One of my coworkers worked directly with him and that's how we got connected because he knew he knew our family situations were very similar. Sure. And then Doug is the uh, board chair for Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 for our nonprofit. And Sherry also sits on the board with us. So that's how we were able to connect because Doug brought up your name and the work that you're doing around the country and uh, speaking out about distracted driving, you know, which led us to Mitch because Mitch with his cell slips, I'm going to let him tell his story here in a few moments. That's how we were able to connect. So Doug was real pivotal in, in all of us being in a position to have this conversation this evening. So thank you. The Keep Kids Alive podcast, it's, it's all about story because, you know, for us, story is everything. And we want to continue to share the stories of loved ones and the spirit that influences what we do in the day-to-day -day, commitments we make, the missions we have. And so I want to invite Tom and Wendy, first of all, to share your story, to tell us about Megan and uh, her story and you know, what animated her spirit and, you know, brought joy to her life and to your lives as well. Megan was our uh, middle daughter and she was uh, quite the feisty one. We called her our shining star because she was a beautiful girl and she was a cheerleader in high school. When she got out of high school, she 
she really enjoyed working with the elderly that her uh, kindergarten class used to go up to one of the nursing homes in town here all the time. And, and ever since then, she really liked to enjoy working with old folks. And so she ended up getting a job as a certified nursing assistant and working in a nursing home, several around the area here. And it was quite ironic after her death when at the funeral and, and afterwards, listening to some of the patients that were treated by her and family members of deceased people that she worked with in the nursing home, how, how passionate she was for, you know, working with them. It was, it was quite emotional for me to, to hear that because, you know, as a, as a dad, you didn't really hear that kind of thing from your daughter. She wouldn't come home and say, I was, you know, I had to work with all these people and I did such a great job. She never said anything like that. The, the greatest achievement I think for Megan was she had a daughter named Paisley. Paisley was about three years old. When Megan died in her car crash, and she was also pregnant with a little baby boy at the time of her death. So, but Megan enjoyed being a mother. That was her first and foremost. And you can just see it in her eyes how much she loved that little girl. Okay. Do you see Paisley often? We see her about once a month. Okay. Paisley was three years old at the time of the crash, and uh, now she's eight. And just this past weekend, she she was here uh, with us and she was looking at some of the posters that we have, you know, celebrating Megan's life that we've received for different running events that we've attended and things like that. And on there, you know, it says that in loving memory of Megan and unborn baby. And, you know, obviously an eight-year-old, she's starting to read a lot more. And she read, she read that and she came and she asked us the first time she's ever asked us because she didn't know. Mm -hmm. She had no idea that her mother was pregnant at the time of the crash. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, I said, what does that mean? We both sat her down and told her that, that her mother was pregnant and she should have a five-year-old brother right now. And that was a very emotional discussion. And uh, later on that night, I, I told her that because she was asking a few more questions. I told her that I was happy that her mom was in heaven with somebody that she loved. Her, her baby was there with her. And I thought that would make that would comfort her a lot. And I think that helped Paisley understand the situation a little better. Yeah, those are difficult conversations to have when those questions come up. I think it's affirming to be able to have those conversations and uh, make that connection with Paisley as, as she continues to grow. Can you talk a little bit about your mission that you've been on since Megan's death? Well, about two weeks after Megan died, I had to do an OSHA 10 hour course for a, a business in Minneapolis. And I, I had about 20 maintenance and facilities operators in, in the class. And I was doing my OSHA it's a boring OSHA course that safety people have to do. And uh, I changed the last subject to uh, talk about distracted driving. And uh, I did an hour long presentation on distracted driving for the group. And, and uh, I showed a couple pictures at the end of that. It was my daughter that was involved in the crash. And some of the guys from the group recognized me and, and her from the news that was in, you know, the local news stations. And, uh, you know, I didn't have, a dry eye in that group. I mean, every, all those guys, those tough guys were just, you know, they were very, getting very emotional. And I had every one of them come up to me after that. They didn't say anything about the other nine topics that I talked about, 
but that one, they all came up and they all either shook my hand or gave me a hug. And they just said, you know what? You got a powerful message. You got to keep spreading it. And at that point I said, you know what? I I'm getting, I I'm going to get a lot more traction and, and fulfillment out of focusing on, on defensive driving, distracted driving, drunk driving, drugged driving, the four D's I call them than, than anything else in the safety world that I can do. So that's what I've, I focused on over the last five years. Well, what were the circumstances that led to Megan being in this crash? You know, Megan, she was actually coming home uh, at night. It was, uh, she was in Minnesota at the time and she was at a stop. So she had stopped at a stop sign waiting for oncoming traffic. Another vehicle was heading uh, northbound on, on highway 95, heading towards Stillwater, Minnesota. And the, uh, the other vehicle went across the median went into the shoulder on the other side of the road, went into the ditch on the other side of the road, rode to the ditch, came upon her car that was stopped at the stop sign and, and launched off of the, the ditch into, into her car, hit it about halfway up the door and uh, flipped her car up. And his car went over the top of her car, basically shearing off the roof and traveled about another 90 to 100 feet across the road into the woods on the other side, came up came up against some trees. The photos that I have of the accident scene were just incredible. I mean, nobody would have survived in that, in that vehicle. It's amazing to even consider that in the mind's eye of how dramatic uh, that would be. Yeah. I mean, the, the vehicle traveled 347 feet and there were no skid marks. And that's what happens with distracted driving crashes. People don't slow down before they hit the pile. And they just go slamming into it. And, you know, that happens on interstate highways all the time. And, you know, where we have rush hour and people have to slow down in traffic and, and people are, are texting and, and Zoom meetings and, you know, talking on the phone, even hands free. And they just go barreling right into that stop traffic like it's not even there. You know, a lot of times, perhaps our listeners and certainly uh, folks who would go beyond our listening audience are unaware of uh, the effects of being distracted, even when talking hands-free, you know, but thinking that talking on a hands-free device will somehow make it safer when the same impairments are happening in terms of loss of the visual field and not being able to see what's all around you and the uh, slowing up of uh, reaction time once you do see what's going on. And anyway, Mitch, I could see you, you might want to jump in here. How did the three of you connect, you know, Tom and Wendy, how did you connect with Mitch? You know, I think it was at the, probably at the Capitol, we, we started going up to different events that were brought. We had a coalition in Minnesota that was fighting for a hands-free bill that was, uh, it had taken 10 years and, you know, and weren't having much success and, you know, more, more of us victims were getting pulled into the coalition, unfortunately. And, Mitz has got a great product. I talk about it quite a bit because I think it's a great, it's, it's a, it's a tool that, you know, and I won't steal your thunder buddy, but you know, it's a, it's a great tool. Drivers can operate their vehicle and be, you know, completely cell phone free, you know, and that's what we advocate for. I mean, you know, we all, we all testified at the house in the Senate in Minnesota for, for the hands-free bill. It helps 15 to 20% of all distracted driving crashes right there are, can be prevented by the hands-free law that's in place, but 85% of them are still caused by the cognitive distraction 
that the cell phone creates. And when you got a cell slip, you just throw the thing in there and you know, you can't hear it. You can't see it. And it's, it's a hundred percent effective. Well, and that's a good segue over to you, Mitch. I'd like you to talk about the cell slip, how you got the idea to do that in the first place and maybe share a little bit of your story. Sure. And that might bridge the gap into how I met Tom and Wendy. Um, in 2016, the summer of 2016, my wife and three youngest children were hit by a distracted driver. So up until that point, I was like a lot of people you see on the road. I, I just did not know it was a problem. And if I didn't know it was a problem, I wasn't doing anything to help solve it. And I remember getting the phone call. I was actually in Minneapolis and my wife called me and said she was hit by a distracted driver. And my wife and three kids were lucky enough to walk away. But it was at that moment... I started looking at the statistics and it baffled me that, you know, 25 plus percent of all car crashes are related to cell phones. And the list goes on. And not only that, that, that most drivers or all drivers have cell phones. And I work in the technology space for my day job. Uh, my company develops apps. And I knew at, at that moment that, that apps can't solve the problem. But so what if there was a cost effective way for, traffic safety professionals or advocates like Tom and Wendy, or that you could hand out while giving education that would actually help against the problem. And that's kind of how CellSlip came about. And I, I reached out to AAA. AAA was, was big on the scene for traffic safety. And I, I, I called their public affairs officer and just said, I, ha I have this idea and she basically wanted to hang up the phone on me, which I'm in sales. So I'm used to that a lot, but it was a product that, you know, wasn't out there. So I totally understood. I said, Hey, just let me, let me email you, you know, my ideals I'm looking for is feedback. And I emailed her immediately when I got off the phone and luckily enough, the public affairs uh, director's second person in charge was an ex state patrolman who read my email and said, you have to call him back because this is a good idea. So they called me back within five minutes. I went to Burnsville, Minnesota the next day for a meeting, hoping to get feedback from AAA and they actually bought 5,000 of them. So at that moment, I'm like, all right, this is a product that could help maybe help save lives. And they said, you know, will you launch your product with us at the Towards Zero Death Conference in Duluth? And I, I believe that's initially where I met Tom for the first time was through that conference. I probably didn't do a very good job of explaining Celsius either. Basically, it's a Faraday bag for your phone, a very inexpensive Faraday bag for your phone that you can put your phone in while you drive. And you won't get your text messages or voicemails or Facebook notifications until you get to where you're going safely and you pull your phone out and you receive all your miscommunication. You know, cell phones were designed for a reason to alert you for any little notification. It's just like why slot machines make noise when you win. It releases the dopamine in your mind. So, you, you know, even if it's not important, as soon as that buzzer goes up, you want to grab it which is why I think uh, cell slip is, is effective. But, you know, if you don't get the beep, you're not really checking your phone. So, so we launched in, in Duluth. That's where I met Tom. And that's kind of the bridge for me to realize that there was an epidemic happening on our roadways that, that I had, had really known of, you know, until, 
you know, until I met Tom Wendy. I mean, I think Tom was the first person to actually reach out me, reach out to me on the advocacy side and and basically made me really, really make it my mission to to put an end to this. Uh, you know, and I, I've talked to Tom through the years and it's hard on the traffic safety side. It's hard to, to get anyone to change a behavior, but like I told Tom, you know, even with the cell slip, if one person, if one person uses a cell slip or one person listens to Tom and Wendy's story about Megan and actually listens and doesn't use their phone while driving, then I'm okay with all the hours that we put into traffic safety because the roads will be safer. We've ordered the cell slips ourselves for Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. And the nice thing about them is they can be logoed with your logo. And yeah. so we have the Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 logo on those. And so uh, we have those available to just help fund our mission on our uh, website. But also uh, we give those out as freebies to folks yes. at events uh, as well. So it's a way to to move our message out and also to provide a product that can help keep motorists, their passengers uh, safe, as well as everybody else around on the road or along the roadway while they're driving because they're they're not being distracted with that incoming message or that phone call. So grateful for uh, you creating that project and uh, that product right. in response to a uh, crash that Savannah and your kids were in. Savannah, she's recovered. Uh, was she injured in that? Yep. I mean, just, just minor injuries, but, but to go back of what you said was the unique thing about cell slip is like what you did is you can customize them with your own message. I'll take the cell slip logo off. It doesn't matter. But I, I, I believe as we move forward, there is an opportunity because I believe there are so many hardworking advocates uh, like Tom and Wendy and families across the nation. And there are so many good companies out there looking to help in, in different you know, areas where I think Celsip could be that gap of, Hey, put a, put a best buy logo on it, put a target logo on it. I don't care what logo is on it. I don't care at all. Let's spread the message and it gives the company good recognition, but then it gives the advocates something to, to hand out when, when you're spreading the story about Megan or, or, or the story about the thousands of lives that are lost uh, every year um, due to distracted driving. And they, they can be a nice little gift for a, a newly licensed driver, because I've always said, you know, if you need to throw your cell phone in the trunk, you know, that's what you have to do to get it out of the way. But this this makes it a lot easier. Tom and Wendy, how have you utilized the cell slips? Uh, have you used utilized those in carrying out your mission? Yeah, I mean, I my company's purchased thousands of them, and I've got a whole trunk load of them, <laughs> and. You know, when, when I, before COVID, when I was doing live presentations, I would go around and, you know, do my presentations and I'd actually talk about the cell slip in, in front of people. And then, you know, I said, if you guys want to come down and grab one, you know, I, I, I'd bring in a bunch and corporations, people wanted to buy them, high schools, you know, driver's ed classes, all those things. So it's a great, great product. And I've experimented with it because people don't believe, you know, how does that block the signal? And we've all, you know, played, played around with it and it, and it works really well. I know that Tom gave a presentation at our local high school here, actually several of them, and he's handed them out there. And I think especially there, the kids could relate or some of the staff even remembered. I used to work there when the kids went there and 
it makes it more personal. And if they can share the message that way and, and the cell slip and say, hey, this is a, especially if you're really tempted to use your phone, no matter if it's in your car, that way you can't use it at all. I couldn't agree more with what you said. They, me telling my story is nothing compared to you and Tom telling your story. And that is my mission is, is trying to figure out how, how do we get more cell slips in advocates' hands? Because when Tom and Wendy tell their story, they're, like, like Tom said, there's not a dry eye in the audience. And then not only that, hand them a tool to say, hey, give this to your loved ones or use this in your car. It's a good, a good education tool and story to, to remind people or educate people the dangers of distracted driving. Well, Tom and Wendy, uh, did you start a foundation uh, in honor of Megan? No, we we haven't, but we support several that are in the Twin Cities. You know, I work in safety and risk management, and because of my work, I'm able to get in front of big Fortune 500 companies and businesses all over the country and everything in between, you know, warehousing, trucking, school systems around the country. So over the last year, I've been doing a lot of webinars and virtual presentations like this. You know, I've been actually starting up the live presentations. I was in Texas last month before the cold snap. I'm going to Albuquerque, New Mexico next week uh, to do some presentations down there. I'm going to Salt Lake City in Idaho in April and then Arkansas after that. So things are starting to warm up a little bit, which is great. I, I want to get out there and, and start doing some of that. But, you know, those are the kind of things that, you know, we can really, you know, you, you make a difference. I, I also give out these bracelets and, you know, the high school kids love these things. So, you know, it's a, you know, they wear them. I, I see them walking around town. People come up to me and say, Hey, I still got the bracelet on that you presented, you know, and, <laughs> I mean, that, that's cool that, they, that they're thinking about it. So then they may not pick up the phone when they're driving. And that's my, that's my goal, my hope. When you think about what's happened over the last five years in terms of your, your advocacy, you know, being out in the field, is there a highlight story that you'd like to share? For me, I think one of the highlights was I had been doing a bunch of live presentations and then I was asked to do a, a virtual webinar. And I'm thinking, you know, it's like, how, how are the, how is the audience going to be able to see my emotions when I'm, when I'm involved, you know, in the presentation, I actually did the first one for a big corporation Cargill. They, they've got 155,000 employees across the globe and they had people on the webinar from all over the, all over the world. And I had no idea how many people were on. I found out later that there were approximately about 5,000 people and you know, there, there was no feedback for me. I, I, they could see my PowerPoint and they could hear my voice. They couldn't even see me. I went through the whole presentation, you know, no clapping at the end or anything like that. And then, you know, it was over and I got done. I, I went back to my desk and I got on my laptop and I started working. And I started getting emails coming in from different people, people from Canada, people from Europe that had seen the presentation. I had one in particular was the president of a division in Ohio. He said, 
Tom, I just want you to know that we had about 90 people sitting in our cafeteria watching, watching your presentation. We could see your PowerPoint and hear your voice. And he said there was not a dry eye in the room. Everybody was emotional. They could feel your emotion just through the, the airwaves. And that kind of gave me chills that it kind of made it, it was making a difference in that respect. And so then when COVID hit, I had no problem doing virtual presentations because I knew I could be just as effective as the live as the live deal. You know, we've learned a lot through this pandemic in the la- in the last year, just in terms of new opportunities to access the technology to help get messages out and continue to connect with people that way. I know I found that myself with my own work with uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. And this podcast is an example of that because I'm amazed at some of the people that I've heard from that I had no idea even had, (laughs) knew we existed and new opportunities and partnerships have grown out of that as well. So It's good that we continue to expand ways to be able to connect with our audiences. I wanted to come back to Megan. You know, what are particular ways that she's influenced, you know, your work and your mission over these last five years? I am very proud of how much hard work Tom has put into all of his presentations. He's the he's the backbone. I I share it on a very little small scale, but I keep encouraging him because he is making a difference. And. You know, every time we drive by somebody that is distracted or on their phone, I think we have PTSD just, you know, listening or watching them be distracted. And every time I see it, it's like we have to share her story. We just got to keep plugging away because we if we can save somebody else from the pain that we've gone through, it's it's all worth it. I'll feel good after doing this podcast or doing a presentation for 500 people in in an audience or online. And then I'll get in my car and I'll drive to another destination and I'll see a dozen people not paying attention when they're driving, weaving around in the lane. 15 years ago, that was normally a drunk driver. And now, now it's almost always somebody messing around with their phone or doing some kind of other distraction in the vehicle. So that just gives me more courage to get up there and do it. It's it's hard because mine's an emotional presentation. But, you know, Megan was a pretty tough little girl. And uh, I can feel her all the time just jabbing me in the back saying, keep mm-hmm. going, Dad, don't give up on this. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a monumental task. It's like beating your head up against the wall half of the time because it's, it's so huge. You know, millions of people are not paying attention. Yeah, I know I made me think about today myself that I was just driving over to the post office and this guy in a pickup truck, first of all, he turned left on a red light and I had the green light. Fortunately, I wasn't in the intersection, you know, but I followed him down and he he stopped at the next red light, but he obviously wanted to turn right, but he didn't have his blinker on. And then I, I kind of looked up at the mirror that went into the cab and then I saw he was talking on his cell phone and I'm like, okay, how many behaviors can you combine into a few blocks of driving that put yourself and other people in peril? You know, I, I did not chase him down, <laughs> and all, but, yeah, but I, I, you know, it's just identifying with the frustrations of trying to make an impact and move the needle little by little by little to, you know, hope that at least one person's uh, paying attention or hopefully more than that are paying attention and will consider their own behavior and its impact uh, on others. 
So I, I'm really grateful that uh, you continue to do this work and are willing to share your story and to share Megan's story to make a, a positive difference. I, one of the things I've learned over the last year, because I've, I've had several families that have been on our podcast over the last year, and one of the things that has uh, struck me over and over again is what I can learn about grieving and about, you know, where where our grief takes us and how we channel that grief. Because I've learned so many lessons from different family members that have joined us over the last year. And I say that as kind of a preface because just asking the question about, you know, what have you learned about about grieving and just going through that day by day or week by week or month by month? The way other people have kind of explained it to me, and I kind of agree with them, is it kind of come, comes in waves. And sometimes the waves are big and it overwhelms you. And other times they get smaller and it, you don't feel it as much, but it's always there constantly. It never goes away. I, sometimes I feel bad. I start laughing because somebody said a joke or I'm having fun with friends. And then all of a sudden I'll, I'll come back and I'll stop and I go, I can't laugh like this. I, I'm in, you know, I'm in mourning. I have to, I can't, I can't be this happy right now. And that's, you know, unfortunate. Just like most people, you know, you, nobody really wants to die, but I've, I've thought about this and I'm not afraid of dying anymore because I, I'm looking forward to what's on the other side. And I'm looking forward to seeing that little boy that I've never even met. We're going to come up with a beautiful name for him and, and it's going to be joyous. And it's not like I want to get there anytime soon, but if it, if it's going to happen, I'm, I'm ready. I guess that, you know, kind of leads into what I was thinking about asking is, you know, who or what has helped you to navigate these years? I would say some of the biggest supporters of us have been our, our family and for sure our, our church. Can you give us some examples of, of how family and church has been uh, supportive of you or helped you navigate through these waves? Uh, there's been so many over the years. Um, trying to understand, you know, the, the whys, why this happens. You question the Lord on, uh, you know, how could somebody so beautiful and an unborn baby be taken? How, how what's, you can't really rationalize that as, as a rational person in risk management that I am, you know, you, you try to rationalize everything and you can't. Both of us have read books about, you know, the afterlife and, and people that have died and come back and they see things. And I mean, it's an inspiration to me to, to, to see that, hear that, and read that. And, you know, the, the support that we had from churches around the country that you know, friends of mine that would, they told me like in New York City, they were praying for, for me in a cathedral out there, you know, for praying for our family and, you know, around the state and, and, and around the Midwest, around the country and California, all over. And, it, you know, the power of prayer is incredible and, and you can really change things. And Megan worked third shift as a CNA and she used to come home and you know, in the early morning and take pictures of the beautiful sunrises that we have around here. And so every sunrise and sunset, both of us, do we just stop and we look and we take pictures and we share it on Facebook and other social media platforms, you know, because all of our other family are, are feeling that too. And, you know, and our friends and 
it's pretty amazing what the uh, work of God. Well, I am, I'm always reminded, I don't know who said it to me first, but, but it, beauty is a silent healer. If we just are paying attention and also, you know, just hearing that story of taking a picture of a, of a sunrise hopefully evokes a, a really wonderful image for any one of us uh, that are listening in. I think uh, Megan's story was so powerful. There was a grief counselor that I, I saw after Megan passed away and she still to this day sends me sunrise photos on these beautiful mornings. Five years later, she still sends them to me. So she's always, always praying for us, you know, and how much we miss Megan and, and then not knowing that baby. So it's pretty powerful that somebody I never knew prior to Megan passing away has took over that sunrise photos that Megan used to send me from the driveway in the morning. Wow. That's quite a commission. You know, I, I think with prayers, sometimes uh, people have heard of Carl Sagan and he was always known for saying there are billions and billions of stars. And I would maintain there are billions and billions of prayers floating around the universe. We just need to breathe them in, you know, so that that is a real gift of knowing that people are being supportive all over. And I, I hope that you continue to breathe in all that goodness and all that love, all that care, all that compassion. Keep breathing. Yes. Keep breathing. Mitch, I want to invite you back in the conversation just in terms of, you know, if you had some thoughts as you listened to the conversation, you know, anything that you'd like to share? Like I said, I had a mission when I started this, but it, it, it was nothing until I met Tom and Wendy and heard the story and, and I got brought into the advocacy side of it. And then I started meeting more people locally that were affected and then nationally that were affected. And Selslip is a mission to give people like Tom and Wendy and people, the traffic safety people, a tool. You know, it, it, it's something I do on the side, but I'm very passionate about. But every time I hear Tom's story and I've heard it and it's so powerful every time, or sorry, Megan's story, but every time I hear it, it just makes me want to. And especially like when Tom and I will we'll have like an hour discussion on the phone and it, it, we're not talking about cell slip. We're talking about life or whatever it is. And every time I get off the phone, I am so gung ho to be like, all right, let's go out there and let's do this. And I tell Tom every time and he tells me every time, like, you know, even though you might not be selling a lot, like you're doing something. I tell Tom, I said, you know, even though you, you might not be hitting 100 percent of people that you're talking to, but trust me, your message is doing something. And knowing that we're doing something to make the road safer makes me get up every day to continue this mission of making our roads a safer place, preventable, preventable, safer place. Uh, you know, I, I'm the son of a third generation mortician. So I've, I've been around death my entire life and there is no way to approach grieving, you know, like, like everyone has their own, their own process. I will tell you though, like what Megan's story has brought Tom and Wendy's community is at least with my experience, the biggest impact on communities are the preventable deaths or if, if only that person wasn't on their phone or vice versa drinking or whatever, 
the, the hurdle is, at least in, in, in my experience, it's, it's people don't become super passionate about it until it affects them. And it's like, how do we, how do we cross that gap to the people that aren't emotionally affected yet to be like, this could be you, this could be you driving down the road, whether you are the one distracted driving or not, that car crash doesn't just affect the two, three, four, five people in that car crash. It affects the parents, the nieces, the nephews, the cousins, the community. And until we get there, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. And I know Tom and Wendy aren't going to stop doing what they're doing. We think about the first responders that are affected. You know, the the nurses, the doctors in the ER, I mean, all of those people who are affected that oftentimes we don't think about those folks. And and definitely they're they're a part of of this story. Even the victim, even the, the person that does that hits the people, they have to live with that for the rest of their lives if they're still alive after the crash. And and some people have a very, very difficult time dealing with the fact that they've killed others. And some people don't care. Absolutely. It, it should be, I mean, there should be a warning that comes with it. There's cell phone addiction. There is consequences to using a cell phone. And, and just like with alcohol, tobacco, whatever it is, there should be just a big a warning. Like when you get into your car or, or doing something important, that this could be a danger to your health or to other people's health. I think it's just so commonplace right now, which makes our job even harder that, you know, you see 12 year olds out there with a phone, 11 year olds out there with a phone and not only on the parenting side of it, but now people are growing up having that connected to your hand. Well, how are you going to take that out of your hand when they get in the car? And until laws and punishment reach the level to where people have to think to be like, all right, I could go to jail for 30 years or text and drive. Well, then it's up to Tom and Wendy and me and your organization to get out there and educate people because it, it's an uphill battle. Well, uh, you know, I think one thing that occurs to me is I always like to look at uh, myself as being a life preserver as opposed to a lifesaver because preserving life is about, you know, to me, doing the things proactively, you know, to, to hopefully to preserve lives as opposed to being in a life-saving situation. And I don't know that it's as glamorous all because, you know, very rarely do I hear people say we're being life preservers, but I've even lived, I've even gone and done presentations with a life jacket on (laughs) to say that I'm, you know, why am I doing that? I'm a life preserver. Well, what do you do when you're a life preserver? Well, you do, you know, you put down your cell phone, you, you buckle up, you, you know, follow the speed limits, you follow the traffic signals, you, you know, you adjust your space so that you can react if somebody does something that will put you or somebody else in jeopardy or that you have some space to react in. So all of those things, I always see that as, as being a real critical piece of getting people to hopefully wake up a little bit just by focusing on who do they care about and who cares about them. Because to me, those people in our lives are the greatest motivators. We need to make distracted driving socially unacceptable, just like drunk driving is and, and other things that, uh, you know, that just aren't acceptable in today's society. And until that's the case, we're always going to have a problem with it. You know, the challenge is, is uh, so great that when we think about drunk driving and the formation of Mothers Against Drunk Driving back in 1980, and we're still dealing with a lot of drunk driving even to this day, but generationally, we can see that 
there have been changes that have been made just in the generations of uh, kids that have grown up over the last 40 years in some of their behaviors. You know, do they call an Uber? Do they have a designated driver? You know, it's planting those seeds that begin to generationally change the way that that people behave. And I always consider that kind of to be the parenting effect of all of this is that I always like to say, well, you could teach a two or three-year-old how to say please and thank you, but that same uh, child when they're 16 or 17 is going out the door and you're still reminding them to mind their manners and be polite and, and all because we recognize that the educational process is ongoing and it keeps need doing, needing to adjust to the new circumstances that come along, just what's happened over the last 20 or 25 years. And specifically, you know, in this conversation, just talking about the introduction of cell phones into our lives. And I'm sure people seeing those as having great benefit, and we certainly have benefited in a lot of ways from cell phones, but then at the same time recognizing, well, you know, there are dangers that are inherent in the use of those as well. Well, you know, what I, what I usually, you know, try to tell people is that if my message stops with those that are listening to this, I've, I've failed, you know, over the, over the past five years, I've kept a kind of a running total of approximately how many people that I've spoken to. And I've got, it's at like 179,000 people. And that sounds like a tremendous amount of people. I mean, when you think about it, yeah. but how many people live in the United States? 345 million. So, you know, less than 200,000 is just a needle in the haystack. So if you're listening to this, please, please, you know, practice what you've heard. Tell your friends and family. Talk to them because you're going to get in a vehicle with somebody. Either you're going to get a call or they're going to get a call or a text or a Facebook post or chat, Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. And it's going to be it's an addiction. When, like Mitch was saying, you know, as soon as you hear that tone or you feel that vibration, you have to look at it. Heck, I'm still that way. I had to put my phone on airplane mode right now because if. If my kids texted me right now during this presentation, I would look at the phone. I'd look down at it. I wouldn't read it or anything, but I'd look at it because it's an addiction and I, we have to stop it. I work at a, a dental office and you would not believe the amount of kids that cannot, they, they have a cell phone in their lap and you are, you're working on them and they still have to, as soon as that text comes through, you can just tell they're, they are itching to grab it and look at who it, who it was that that messaged them. It's kind of sad that it, they have that addiction to it so much that they need to look immediately. Well, I want to ask you this. You know, what have you learned about yourself over the last five years? Is it, you know, is there some special lesson or something that you felt like, okay, for lack of a better word, I guess that I've learned about myself. I mean, learned a lot, you know, definitely just on the business side, trying to do self-slip by myself. But like I said, when, when I launched this as a product, when I thought like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference in distracted driving. That didn't amount to anything until I met Tom and Wendy and heard Megan's story 
or all the countless other stories of all these families that were like in my backyard that I had never heard of. And then when they came up to me and said, we feel our message is so much more powerful than after we tell our story of losing our son, our grandpa, our daughter, our whoever loved one. Now, when we tell that story, it can, and it can actually hand something out that might help prevent that from happening to the people they're handing it out to. That was very powerful. It, it was never, uh, you know, as a product, I'm not looking to make a million dollars. I am looking to get these in the hands of people like Tom, because that's the story that matters or, or, or with your organization, the people on the front lines, I don't care about name recognition and I don't care about any of that. So this is a tool that I hope, you know, can get in the hands of the people on the front lines to make a difference. But, I mean, that's truly my mission. You know, I, I, I hope it moves faster. It's like you said, when you grew up, you didn't have, you know, it was in the era of there wasn't a DD. And then you go maybe a decade before that where, you know, seatbelts were introduced, but no one really used them until education where now, you know, it's click it or ticket, whatever it is. It's like this day and age with the access to information, we need to shorten that gap. We know the problem and we know how it's affecting families, people, the community. We need to shorten the gap. We can't be at this place right now and say, we're on the front lines of distracted driving. And then 40 years, people, politicians, whatever it is, start taking it seriously. It is happening now. The statistics are here. There's access to information. We need to put an end to it. We need to increase penalties. We need to do something to make it aware to everyone. And even if it's not a cell slip, maybe maybe it's a bracelet, like, like Tom said. There needs to be something out there where people need to think twice before grabbing their phone when they drive. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. And they need to know now and not 30 years from now where you can say like, oh, you know, 20 years ago, you know, I could text and drive. Well, no, you know, that stops now. We need to make that stop now. I think the positive thing is that there are so many advocacy groups that are out there. And then we think of uh, groups like Families for Safe Streets that are really advocating for uh, legislative and policy uh, pieces in this as well. And, for, you know, for me, when when I, I think about legislation being passed or new policies being enacted, but it still comes down to to behaviors, you know, that we need to look at, you know, simply changing a law or a number on a sign or whatever isn't necessarily going to change somebody's behavior that people need to become engaged in the in the process. And so the advocacy work that you're all doing is is just so critical to all of this. kind of begin to move to wrap up with a, a couple of questions, but what's a lesson that you'd want our listeners to take away from this podcast? Don't take life for granted. It's, it's fragile. Tell people that you, you live with, that you love them as often as you can, because you never know when they're not coming home. That's the one thing that we've done, tried to do with our, our two other kids and, and our grandkids is every time we see them, we tell them that we love them. Because when they leave and if they don't come back or if you don't come back, at least you've said it and that they knew it. You know, the other thing is that, like Mitch was saying, there's 40,000 people that are dying every year on our roads. And, you know, I get people questioning me about, you know, well, we're going to have automated cars pretty soon, maybe in about 10, 20 years. Well, we're killing 40,000 people until then. Yeah. 
every year. Is that acceptable? I, as a safety professional, I don't think so. We need to do something about it. To, you know, there's 24 states that have hands-free laws that are, you know, reducing their crashes and distracted driving at 15 to 20%. That's fantastic. That's not good enough, though. Just because your state has a hands-free law, don't stop there, man. You know, Mitch mentioned about increasing penalties and, and making cell phone-free laws. When are we going to see that? That's what I would really want. Because hands-free is not risk-free. And all our car companies are putting in all this technology in the cars. I mean, I just bought a new truck and it's got so much crap in it. I don't know what's going on half of the time in there. Yeah, there is a lot of work to be done. And when you talk about just 24 states, that leaves over half the states, you know, have less compliant laws. We're in Nebraska and we're certainly one of those. And we are too in Wisconsin. Yeah, we lag behind in, in many respects. And so there is tremendous work that needs to be done. You know, if there is a way for uh, our listeners to become engaged in your mission, what could they do or where could they go to get information? Mitch, I'll start with you. Yeah, sellslip.com. That's C-E-L-L as in cell phone and slip as in slip and fall down. Sellslip.com or Mitch at sellslip.com. And like I said, especially if you're a business out there, there's no better promotional product out there like sellslip. Put your name on it and donate it to Tom. Donate to Tom or, or an advocate like Tom and Wendy and give it to some nonprofit traffic, traffic safety organizations that are on the front lines, talking to kids, talking to adults about the risks of distracted driving. I mean, that is that is legitimately my mission is, is to find people or companies that have money and want to put their name on something and then handing a life-saving product to the people out there giving the education. And I'm just the, the middle person in that. I mean, truly, I am. I mean, my story is nothing compared to what Tom and Wendy have went through. And my eyes opened when I met them. And, and I mean, seriously, I mean, even like tonight, like I just want to go home and, and reach out to as many people as possible when I keep hearing Megan's story. Because it lights a fire under me. It does. I will do what I can to work with nonprofits and companies that, that even can't afford them. I, I've called companies in Pennsylvania that I have never even, I've never been to Pennsylvania where a nonprofit calls and says, Hey, we'd like to buy 200, but we don't have money. I said, give me a second. And in a day I call an insurance agency and say, Hey, I have this product. Would you put your logo on it? Donate it to your local nonprofit. And they're like, absolutely. Why wouldn't we? So please reach out to me and we'll, we'll make something work. And I just want to get as many of these on the road as possible. Wendy, do you have a, do you have a final thought that you'd like to share? Everybody just needs to keep in mind that driving is a privilege and your car is a weapon and we all need to stay safe out there. And you don't want those last words that, you, you know, you want to be able to tell your friends and family that you love them every day and, and not lose them. And, you know, what a wonderful uh, message to remind ourselves. We can be so focused on what we believe our rights are as human beings and to realize that driving really is a privilege. It's not something that we're guaranteed the right to do. And to accept that privilege is to accept all that all that goes along with exercising a privilege as well. So, you know, thank you very much. Any final thoughts that are floating around your heads that you say, well, this is on my mind. I want to make sure I say it. I just say that for those of you that are listening that work for companies, demand a cell phone free policy from your employer. I've got sample policies that I can send out to you for free. You know, that's what I do in risk management, working with big corporations and small companies and everybody in between. 
So I've got fleet safety policies, distracted driving programs, all of that stuff. We can do training. I can send out video recordings of my presentations that have been done live and by webinar. They're free. They're available online. I can just send you the link. So, Tom, if you if you get any inquiries, feel free to, to forward them to my email and I'll I'll answer every one that comes in. I do that for every presentation that I do. And it's a lot of a lot of extra work, but I love doing it because if I can get some of these policies out there and then the one hurt person that heard it can can spread it out to that company. If it's just five more people at that company, great. If it's 500, wonderful. You know, we're not doing this for ourselves. It's already happened to us. We're going to feel this loss for the rest of our lives. We're doing it for you. We're doing it for everybody that's listening. You know, we're, you know I'm trying to protect you and, and all of your loved ones. Hopefully, hopefully it can make a difference. Well, Tom, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? My email is tgeltz, T-G-O-E-L-T-Z at Hayes Companies, H-A-Y-S-C-O-M-P-A-N-I-E-S dot com. Okay. Well, thank you. We'll include that and uh, hopefully there'll be some follow-up from folks. I think that really speaks to the power of partnership uh, because partnerships with many organizations and obviously partnership with, uh, with Tom and Wendy in their mission as well. And so hopefully all of our listeners might be mindful of who are the partners out there that we can invite in addressing issues uh, like distracted driving and uh, beyond. Tom and Wendy, you know, one of the things I, I want to make sure I say this because you said, I love you. We need to be mindful of saying those three words and how powerful they are and what a powerful memory that it can be. Would that be the last three words that we would hear from anybody that we know and to remind ourselves of just how powerful uh, those words are, because for me, that's a real punctuation mark on this conversation is those those three words. You know, for our listeners, uh, one of the things that Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 does each year is uh, we have a, a 5K run walk that's dedicated to uh, the memory and honor of loved ones who have died in traffic incidents. And uh, due to the pandemic, we took it virtual last year. And we've got a couple of national partners that we're working uh, with this year to create a, a nationwide virtual run walk where families can create a team in honor of uh, their loved one. We've got a few charities that they can designate donations through and that proceeds from the, the run can be uh, donated to. And you can find about, out about that on our website at keepkidsalivedrive25.org or kkad25.org. Both of those addresses will get you there. But we look forward to having families participate from all over the country. We tailor the t-shirts for every family. Every family team can pick the color of their shirt. They can create the name of their uh, team. And because we want to uh, honor and celebrate their loved one. And so that's something that we'll be doing uh, the weekend of June uh, 11th through the 13th, virtually wherever you are. So uh, we welcome you being involved in that way. Again, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we look forward to uh, continue to share stories that inspire and uh, move you to uh, action in support of safe uh, driving behaviors wherever you go. And thank you, uh, Tom, Wendy, Mitch, for being with us for this podcast. Uh, appreciate you taking the time out uh, to share your stories. And uh, I figure those stories will bear fruit the more they're heard. Great to see you both, Tom and Mitch. Thank you for 
for this and thank you for all you're doing and I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Please visit kkad25.org to find out how you can support Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 and get involved by following on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Remember, it's about kids. It's about safety. It's about caring. It's about time.